Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors. We're glad that you are with us for Christmas at the Coves, where we get to celebrate Christmas together. It has nothing to do with what I had prepared, but as the kids came up, and I'm looking at all of our kids, and two of them are ours, and I was watching our son Parker, and he's and he's smiling and laughing, and it was making us laugh and feel joy. And I was thinking about how much I understand how God sees us as his kids more as a dad than I did before. Like just this little picture for me as I'm watching going, I do want you to know that God sees you as his kids and delights in you when you're delighting in him. That he sees you and there's this joy and I I experienced that and yeah, there was a degree when the worship team was like hard to follow that. It is, there's something about kids that just... Man, it's almost like it makes sense how Jesus talks about childlike faith. I, I don't know what you're like. I, I don't know you because the beautiful thing is there's people in the room that you're not part of collective or, or you haven't been for a while. I don't know what you're like, but uh, I hate waiting. I hate it. I'm not good with patience. Like I'm really bad with it. It's, it's one of my weaknesses. And uh, I know better than to ask God to give me patience. Because I know how God produces patience. He makes you wait. And I don't want to wait. I just would rather have things now and quickly, which is why when I got Amazon Prime almost 10 years ago, it was a really detrimental thing because I was like, I want not just my packages within a couple of weeks. I want it tomorrow, next day. Have you ever noticed how we become so accustomed? We want something immediate. We want it right away. It's hard for us to wait. It's hard for us to wait. What do you do with the fact that the Jewish people waited for thousands of years for Jesus to come, for the Messiah? Thousands of years of waiting. Thousands of years of waiting for this coming king. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. Culturally, we, we, we remember Jesus more than, than other times in the year. That this is an opportunity for us to look at Jesus again. But since I'm guessing that most of us aren't first century Jewish people, we probably don't understand how long people waited. How long people waited for Jesus to come. Jesus is the Messiah, and the Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years. I struggled to wait for a week for a package. How do you think we do waiting for a thousand years or thousands of years? Waiting so long that you're telling your kids, 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 keep waiting, he's coming, he's coming. That would test every bit of generations of patience. It would be hard for us to wait that long. And yet it speaks to the significance of Jesus' 
coming. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but the Bible is split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, the New Testament starts with Jesus. Jesus splits the Bible. And, and so all through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see four Gospels, four accounts of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection. And then we see the church after that. But before that, in the Old Testament, there, there were glimmers and glimpses to Jesus. See, the only way that people would wait for that long is if there was some sort of understanding of what we were waiting for, understanding that Jesus was coming. So I want us to look at a passage in the Old Testament, in Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is a prophet, and a prophet is someone who is appointed by God to speak on behalf of God. So Isaiah's words aren't just Isaiah's words, they're God's words through Isaiah, And Isaiah is prophesying, he's sharing something that is going to come to pass. He's giving a promise from God about Jesus. And so I want us to look at Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The kingdom will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, God, Everlasting, Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments that you would speak as we gather around Christmas, look to your son. God, may it not just be an exercise that we do once a year, but instead an invitation to follow you and an invitation to come closer. God, help us to see your son clearly. God, in these words from Isaiah, would you speak to us in 2021 and draw us close? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah wrote these words. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah is writing about Jesus. He's writing about this Messiah who is coming. Now this is a good reminder. If you're ever wondering, does God keep his promises, even in moments when you forget Like even, there have been times that God has promised something that you're waiting for so long that you go, is he gonna follow through? Let this be a reminder to you. 700 years, but God does not forget. He always keeps his promises. This is a significant reminder for those of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers, that God keeps his word. Now notice Isaiah's words here. In verse six, it says, for a child is born to us, a a son is given to us. This reminder, a child is born. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what we focus on, and his name is Jesus. And though he came as a baby, Jesus was anything but ordinary. In fact, we actually see in the next verse where Isaiah says, the government will rest on his shoulders. Now, if, if you read this, like, Hopefully, if you're thinking, through, you're, there's a couple of things that you're going, wait, what? Okay, so wait, a child is born, but the government's going to rest on his shoulders? Like, are we talking about babies that are in power? Like, what are we talking about here? Or you hear some of that, and if you're thinking even a little bit critically, you're like, uh, Tyler, it's 2021. Are you going to talk about politics on Christmas? Like, are we going to do that? Are we going in that direction? Are we talking about Christian nationalism here? Is this what we're talking about? Is this this kind of church like where you're going to go and start campaigning? Jesus for prime minister. No. 
Rest easy. Not that kind of church. But so then what does this mean? Does this relate to our understanding in 2021 of what government looks like? No. This is actually speaking to this beautiful reality that Jesus accepts the burden of responsibility for everyone. He shoulders all of it, takes all of it on his shoulders, every single little bit. And this is not government like we think of it. This is kingdom. More accurately, this is the kingdom of God, all of it resting on Jesus's shoulders. This is so much bigger than one country or people group. This is so much bigger than that. This kingdom of God, this coming kingdom, and this king that ushers it in, this is significant. Jesus has been given by God the keys to the kingdom, full authority, full power. And what does Jesus do with this power? He doesn't do like what we see oftentimes in people in government or with power. He doesn't wield power like a weapon. Instead, spoiler alert, Jesus takes all his power and he surrenders his life. All the power that he has and he could use and he uses it to lay down his life for us. And Isaiah is describing Jesus here and he gives four different characteristics or titles of Jesus. And it's important that we look at that because if you recognize Jewish people had been waiting for thousands of years for Jesus and many still missed him. So it makes sense that 2,000 years after his life that if we're not careful, we can miss him too. And so for us to reflect on who he is, to look at these words that God gave to Isaiah for us to be reminded of who Jesus actually is. The first is that Jesus is wonderful counselor. Listen, I, I read, I've, read enough, I've read enough commentaries even in my preparation that there are so many layers to this. I just want to highlight one that I think is significant in 2021. I want you to think about a counselor. Increasingly as a culture, we're more and more comfortable with acknowledging, hey, we're not perfect, we go to marriage counseling, or we've got some stuff in our past, we go to personal counseling or family counseling. Many of us have been to counseling, and counseling can be an amazing thing. But I want you to think about the process of counseling. Part of what happens is the counselor is looking to move your internal thoughts, your internal processes, and actually get them out. Actually hear how you're thinking, what you're thinking about. To hear the dysfunctional patterns in your thinking, dysfunctional patterns in your belief system that, that the counselor wants to hear from you. And at some level, what the counselor is looking for is the lies. What are the lies that you believe? What are the things that you are believing to be true about you or others or how you relate to others? What are the lies? I want you to know that that is a component of how Jesus operates. That Jesus wants, if we'll let him, to confront the lies with his truth. To actually listen to us. This is why prayer is so significant. We pray and we process all of our stuff and we bring it before Jesus. And he goes, can I just tell you what's actually true? Can I tell you who you are and who you belong to? He is a wonderful counselor. Counseling is amazing, but there's no one better than Jesus. 
So he's wonderful counselor. He's also mighty God. Now, if you are wondering whether it's about collective or uh, Christians in general, what do we believe? We don't just believe that, that Jesus was a great person, a great teacher, incredibly wise leader. We believe that he is God, that he is the son of God, fully human and fully God. That's a central part of our faith. Jesus is also described here as, hev- or as everlasting father. And in John 10, Jesus says, the father and I are one. This speaks to the doctrine of the Trinity. One God, three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is significant and central to orthodoxy as Christians. It's this reminder, Jesus isn't just a great teacher or an important figure. He perfectly represents God the Father. Jesus is the Son of God. And finally here, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This title, given all that we've navigated in 2019, 2020, 2021, this idea that he is the Prince of Peace, this title should pack a punch. And there's all sorts of connotations. Like maybe you hear someone talking about peace and you immediately think of world peace. This is where my brain goes. I I imagine Anytime you see a pageant and they ask all the contestants, what do you want? World peace. All of them. And I go, man, I love that. I don't think the pageant is the way to start. Maybe. I don't, I, I don't know. We still seem to not achieve world peace, so maybe our pageant strategy is less than effective. So is this what we're talking about? It, when it's refer- referencing him as Prince of Peace. Are we just talking about that kind of like nice, warm, fuzzy, just peace everywhere, that everyone just get along? This is, I want to let you know that this is so much bigger than our understanding of peace. This kind of peace actually speaks to something called shalom. Shalom is this beautiful Hebrew Word And it is so much richer than simply just saying peace. Shalom speaks to life as it should be. The restoration of everything. The restoration of us as individuals and the restoration of our community as a whole. Wholeness in every single area. Everything being made right. Everything being set as it should be. This shalom, this speaks to the deepest longings that every single one of us as humanity has. This desperate sense for wholeness and hope and peace. Jesus comes to offer that. He comes to offer shalom. He comes to offer wholeness. Now, I want to just play that out in our own personal lives, that the areas that, that this comes into confrontation with how we actually live. I don't know if you've noticed that we have no shortage of access to information, to options, to autonomy. We can kind of do what we want to do. Other than the, the, some of the restrictions that we face, for the most part, we can kind of do just about anything we want to do, access just about anything we want to access, be whatever we want to be, and yet, as a culture, 
We lack wholeness. All the data, all the research, and it is not Christian, is indicating it is not working. What we are trying to do is not effective. The lies that we believe, they're not actually represented as true. And the truth is that none of the other stuff that we chase will tell us who we are and why that actually matters. I mean, think about us as humanity. We need desperately someone outside of ourselves to validate us, to tell us that we are enough, that we are good enough. Look at each of our lives and we can see how that plays out. It doesn't matter how many nice greeting cards we read that tell us affirming messages. It's never quite enough. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter about the social media posts that we get or enough likes that someone gives us or enough dollars in our bank account or enough stuff in our house. None of it is enough to, to actually create wholeness. We find ourselves still looking for something else. What is that? The deep longing of our soul for shalom. Jesus came to remind us that God sees us. That God wants to bring this shalom through us and to us and around us. And what we notice is when we find ourselves looking for our wholeness in anything other than Jesus, we find ourselves inevitably feeling anything but whole. There's this pattern. It seems to be easy to see from the outside, but when we're in it, it's harder for us. I want you to know that Jesus came for the renewal of the world. And as we look at our own lives and we look at those around us, as we move away from complete surrender to God and complete surrender to Jesus and everything that he offers and asks of us, are we more peaceful? Do we actually have more wholeness? Is it actually working for us? As we reject the king and still hope for the kingdom, are we actually flourishing? I want you to know that Jesus is not just an option. He's not just an add-on. Jesus is the central point by which every other option revolves around. He is at the center of all of it. All the other things that we think will bring us happiness and wholeness are echoes and little tiny glimpses and half-truths of what he actually offers. And the truth is, if we were to look at our lives and be really honest, we, we still look for wholeness in other areas. We still think, you know what, I want Jesus, yes, and also some other things. If I could just get enough, do enough, be enough, try enough, if I could do this, then I will really be whole. We fight in this tension, and we live in the lie. If I can just do whatever I want, then I'll be happy. But it isn't working. So maybe, and I would suggest to you that Jesus actually has a better way of living. In fact, he says this in Matthew, in Matthew 11, and this is the message. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on man-made religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so the question for us this Christmas, Christmas 2021, who or what is guiding your life? Who or what is leading you? And is that bringing you peace? All the things that you're trusting in, is it actually bringing you peace? Is it actually bringing you shalom? Is it actually bringing you wholeness? If you were to call yourself a follower of Jesus and you find places in your life where there is a wrestle, there is a lack of peace, is it possible that those are the areas that Jesus is trying to knock on and get your attention of? And he's saying, hey, those things that you are compartmentalizing, that you go, listen, I'll give you my life, but not this, I want to be there too. Hey, notice how you don't have peace in this area? Let me actually invade it. Let me be part of it. Surrender to me. Surrender to my way of life. I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the early church, they were never described as Christians. The followers of Jesus were never described as Christians. And we use that word and it can become a loaded term. But you know how they were described in the Bible is followers of the way. Followers of the way. I believe that words have power. I believe that words matter. And so you look at that followers of the way. That's significant and that paints a different picture of what it means to follow Jesus. This is not just a set of beliefs to believe. This is a way of life. All of our life, that, that our way of life shifts completely to Jesus' way of life. This is a new way of living in every single area of our life. Surrendering to Jesus means surrendering to his way of life in every single area. It means having faith that Jesus can be trusted in everything. And not just as a way to get into heaven, but as a way to live our life before heaven differently. That we don't just look at Jesus as our, our fire insurance so that, we don't, so that we can go to heaven. Instead, we see Jesus as offering us a new way of life, entering into the kingdom of God here and now, seeing his rule and reign come to pass. And when we live like this, when we become followers of the way, we allow Jesus to, to confront and challenge and guide every single area of our life. He becomes the primary focus. He becomes the focus, and everything else around us is filtered through him, not the other way around. It's a complete shift in how we live. And I, I don't know where all of you are at, whether you're online or in the room, but I do want to give you an opportunity today to turn and go in a different direction. If you recognize, you know what, I've, I've called myself a Jesus follower, I've, I've showed up to church, or I've done some of the things that I know to do, but, but I've never really wrestled with full surrender, like all of the things in my life and actually embracing this new way of life. Or maybe you just recognize, okay, I, I parked it. Like I was in this way of life. I was following it. And through COVID, I just went, you know what? I'm good here. I'm going to just get comfortable and take it 
easy. I want to invite you to respond. Or maybe you're in the room and you go, I've never made the decision ever to even surrender my life. I've never actually looked at what it would look like to live a new way of living. The invitation for us, wherever we are, is always to surrender to him. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you a moment where you can surrender to him, to invite him to be your Lord, to walk with Jesus, work with Jesus. But I do want to let you know this is not a cheap thing and this is not a passive thing. This will cost all your preferences. It'll cost you your life as you know it, but instead you get to experience new life as he offers it. And all the peace you've been looking for, for the rest of your life he'll begin and he'll share that with you and enter you in, help you to experience shalom. It costs us our life And yet, what does Jesus offer? He offers freedom and wholeness. And so the invitation for us is to surrender. Here's the thing. You can show up to church. You can have Christian bumper stickers. You can have Christian art on your wall. You can post nice things on Instagram. But if we are not following the way of Jesus in every single area and allowing him to actually lead us, we're missing out. And this Christmas, I would hate for us to have a moment and and for me to not be able to challenge and confront some areas where all of us recognize that we're not doing that. I want to pray for us, whether you're online or in the room. God, Help us to never settle for less than all of you. As we celebrate Christmas, God, we want, we want all of you. God, we know that you sent your son to live a perfect life, to die for us. That he rose from the grave to restore us back to relationship with you. To usher in shalom. God, we surrender all of us to you. We invite you to move powerfully in us as we sing, as we gather. May it not just be things that we do to check off boxes, but instead an invitation to spend time with you, an invitation for you to draw close. God, as we worship together, speak to us. Draw us near. We love you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.